Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Glad you are all here. Thank you for sharing the service. Those of you who are watching online, we appreciate you doing that. You know, Jeremiah said, your mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And we found his mercies to be true this morning, or you and I wouldn't be here right now. You wouldn't be watching right now if it were not for the mercies and the greatness and the faithfulness of our God. So it's good sometimes on a Sunday morning. It's good, by the way, every morning, but especially on a Sunday morning to stop long enough and say, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you love me. You love me more than I can comprehend. You love me more than I can understand. And with the love of God and the mercy and the grace of God comes the peace of God. And that's what this series has been all about. And so if you're not experiencing God's peace, I just say, if not, why not? You need to stop long enough to say, look, if I have a relationship with Christ, if he's in my life, I should be, I should be experiencing more peace. The first step to experience his, his peace is to know him. As we said last weekend in Isaiah 9, 6, the Bible says he is the Prince of Peace. Well, if you have a relationship with the Prince of Peace, you can know peace. And then we talked about one of the reasons people don't have peace is they're not at peace with their past. And sometimes you just can't bring yourself to a point where you can forgive yourself. And you have to get past your past. You have to learn to let some things go. You have to learn to let some people go if you're gonna have peace. And then we talked about having peace in your home. Your home should be a peaceful place. As I told you, someone cynically said one time, home is where you go when you're tired of being nice to people. And it really shouldn't be that way. Your home should be a peaceful place. And then last weekend, I talked to you about once you've experienced the peace of God, how do you keep the peace? How do you hold on to that peace? You can lose your peace. You can have it in the morning and lose it before the day is over. So how do you do that? We talked about that last weekend. Well, this weekend, I'm gonna conclude the series and I wanna to talk to you a little while about how do you have peace in the midst of pain? How do you have peace when you are disappointed? Everybody in the room at some point or another, some time or another, have been hurt by something or been hurt by someone. And one of the reasons so many people don't experience peace is they can't navigate through the painful experience. They can't navigate uh, through the hurt. I read something I shared with you at one of the services not too long ago about a comment a psychiatrist had made where the psychiatrist said at least one third of people who attend the average church are angry about something, at least a third. I thought about that. I thought about who all comes here. I thought about sharing that with you one third. Have you thought about that? Take a look quickly, if you will, the person sitting to your left. Look at that person. All right, now look at that person sitting to your right. Do they look mad? No, then it might be you. <laughs> one in three, one in three are upset about something. And I don't think that's wrong. I mean, I don't think that's off. I, I, I don't think that that's a bad statistic. I think he's probably right. Probably if we surveyed the room, we'd find some of us in the room are dealing right now with some level of disappointment. Someone in the room right now is dealing with some level of pain. Someone watching online right now, you're going through, you're navigating, you're trying to deal with some pain and some disappointment that is evident in your life. 
Now, as you guys know, sometimes the disappointments we have, the pain that we experience is due to just an unmet expectation. You know, we had a higher expectation of someone, we had a higher expectation of something, and the expectation didn't meet the reality, and because this expectation was not met, we become disappointed. Heard about the guy that was training to be a paratrooper, and they told him, they said, here's how it's gonna work, you're gonna go out of the plane, you're gonna pull your, your, uh, your ripcord, and uh, the, the chute will open, and if for some reason the chute doesn't open, you've got a reserve chute, count to three, pull that, ripcord on your reserve chute, and you'll float down to the ground. There'll be a truck will pick you up, take you back to the base. Well, this guy was a little nervous. He had grown up a little afraid of heights. Uh, so he said, sir, could you go through that one more? He goes, yeah, I'll go through it with you one more time. You're going to go out of the plane. You're going to pull your ripcord. The parachute will open. If for some reason it doesn't open, count to three, pull your reserve chute, chute will open, you'll float to the ground, and there'll be a truck there to pick you up, take you back to the base. They're on the plane, they're airborne, they're about to the place where they're going to jump, and the guy yells at the instructor, one more time, pull the ripcord. Yes, pull the ripcord. Doesn't open, you pull the ripcord. Yes, you pull the reserve chute, you'll float to the ground, be a truck there, take you back to the base, go. And the guy goes out of the plane. Well, he pulls the ripcord, doesn't open. He pulls the reserve chute, it does not open. They said the last thing they heard him say as he was going to the ground was, I bet that truck won't be there either. <laughs> I know, that's a lot for a nine o'clock service. But I'm just suggesting to you, man, that sometimes the expectations are unmet and the result of an un, uh, unmet expectation is disillusionment, uh, disappointment, pain. You remember in Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus' ministry was really taking off and John's ministry was diminishing. Remember John's job was to get a crowd together for Jesus to preach to. He was the forerunner, he went ahead of Jesus. And so John said concerning his ministry, he said, I must decrease while he increases. So John knew what was going on, but man, when that reality hit him, John didn't think it was gonna go that way. I had a pastor friend of mine tell me one time, this is not the surrendered life I thought I was surrendering to. <laughs> you ever felt that way? This ain't going the way I thought. The ripcord didn't open, right? The truck probably won't be there. Yeah, everybody has that experience. John was certainly just like us. And John was frustrated, and because the people stopped following him, because now they're following Jesus, the religious leaders of the day saw him as being weak. So they capture him, they throw him into prison. They're planning to kill him. John is vulnerable, he realizes now his life is on the line. And John's processing like we all press process, why me, and why this, and why now? This isn't right, this isn't fair. Man, I mean, I, I'm the forerunner. I got Jesus a crowd together. I did everything he told me to do. I went everywhere he told me to go, and here I am in prison, and they may put me to death. He's disillusioned. And so one of the followers of John came to visit him in jail one day, and John says to the follower of Jesus, it's all right there in Matthew 11. He said, listen to this. He said, go tell Jesus, are you really the Messiah, or do I start looking for another? Ooh, that's pretty strong, isn't it? Are you really God or should I start looking for, are you really the healer, the way maker? You know, are, are you really the peaceful uh, person that can bring all this forgiveness and joy into my life? Because I'm not experiencing it right now. And so are you really that person or do I start looking for another? So that follower of John goes and tells Jesus. <laughs> Man, John's a little upset, and man, I've told you before, it's, there's nothing worse than when the upright get uptight, <laughs> and he is upset. 
And Jesus says to him, it's interesting. He says, you go back and tell John the things you've seen me do. You tell him about the blinded eyes that can see. You tell him about all the miracles you've experienced. You tell him about the words that I've taught. And I love this line in Matthew 11. He said, you go back and tell him, happy is the person who does not, keep getting, does not become offended in me. In other words, John, uh, it, it, stop getting mad at me every time something happens uh, differently than what you thought it should happen. In other words, happy is the person who doesn't have a short fuse where I'm concerned. Happy is the person who trusts me regardless of what they're going through. What's the point? My point is, guys, when John can become discouraged and when John can become disillusioned and when John could even question Jesus, then who are we to think we'll never go through a similar circumstance? So I'm just saying, I'm just, I guess what I'm getting at is I'm giving you permission. <laughs> Uh, to be disappointed. It's not an indicator of your lack of faith. It's not even an indicator of the presence of faith in your life. Some of the greatest people in the world have gone through these periods of disappointment and disillusionment. And what happens when you go through these periods in your life, it inevitably affects your peace. I've never met a peaceful, disillusioned person. I've never met a peaceful, disappointed person. And let me tell you, the deepest disappointments that you and I will experience are, are, are not the disappointments we experience with one another, are not the disappointments we experience in our career. The deepest disappointments you and I will go through in life are the disappointments we have when they are directed toward God, when they're directed toward him. That's where John was, sitting in jail. His disappointment was really directed at God. You know why? Because he knew what he was capable of doing. He knew he has all the power in the world. He knew God has the power to deliver him. He had the power to keep him out of that situation. He had the power to heal. There is nothing he can't do. In fact, Jesus asked a rhetorical question one time. Is there anything too hard for me? He's saying, bring it. Bring it. What is the problem you have? So I'm saying what, where the disappointment comes in is when you know what you know about God. You know what he could kept from happening. You know what he could cause to happen. And for some reason, it doesn't happen, or maybe it does on another hand. You see, disappointments are things that hit us when things happen to us that shouldn't have happened, or things didn't happen to us that should have happened. And you know God's in control of both. And so I'm just saying, guys, when you hit those points in life, I've been there, and some degree I still navigate through there, and I'm just suggesting that I get it and I understand it, but I also know God has promised me peace. So if I'm gonna have peace, and I have to learn how to have peace in the midst of disappointments. Let me give you a good illustration of what we're talking about. A man in the Old Testament by the name of Elijah, a great prophet. Elijah was a man that God said, man, I want you to, you know, I want you to, to pray a prayer and, and I'm gonna cut off all the rain and there's not gonna be any rain. The people have gone away from me, so I'm gonna create a little pain so that they'll come back to me. And so Elijah does it. He prays and there's no rain. And man, the minute that that happened and famine started going throughout the land, the king and queen who were evil and wicked, they began to become very upset at the prophet. They were blaming him for something God was allowing to happen. By the way, something God was causing to happen. 
And so God told him, you need, to, you, you need to get out of here. You need to get out of Dodge. You need to get up into the mountains and I'm gonna hide you in a certain place and I'm gonna take care of you when you're in that place. And so get, get the storyline. Here is a man who was doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to be doing. And God created an upheaval in his life that brought about some disappointment in his life. In fact, let me read the narrative to you. If you have it, look at 1 Kings 17, and it goes over into 18 as well, but we're just for time's sake, we'll hit 17 and I'll talk to you about the rest. The word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, you need to get out of here. Turn eastward, hide in Kareth, ravine east of Jordan, and you'll drink from a brook. I've directed the ravens to supply you with food. So the Bible says he did what the Lord told him. He went to Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, stayed there. And the Bible said ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And sometime later, here's where some disappointment happens. The brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now get the setting. He's hiding. The first place he's hiding is in a place where God has these uh, Uber on wings. It's kind of flying him food in. All the land didn't have water, but he's right by a brook in the mountains and no doubtly picturesque and beautiful and wonderful. Everything's going great until one day that brook that he was depending on dries up. One day the ravens stopped bringing him food. Again, he's a man where he's supposed to be. He's a man doing what he's supposed to be doing. And now all of a sudden, man, his world gets turned upside down. Now let me kind of go back to the premise of my whole message this morning. Sometimes that's where the disillusionment with God comes in and the disappointment with God comes in because you start checking the boxes and you start saying, I didn't do anything to bring this on myself. This isn't fair. This doesn't seem right. God, you don't seem just. I mean, we just sang about your faithfulness and we sang about your mercy and I'm hearing Bill talk about peace, but why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my family? And you get this disappointment that becomes disillusionment and the best people in the world go through that. Here are the prophet Elijah was going through it. And when you study the narrative, and again, I'm gonna highlight for you this morning, I think there were three principal things that Elijah had to learn, and you and I are gonna have to learn if we're gonna navigate through the disappointments of life. Thing number one, (laughs) we're gonna have to learn how to trust in God's protection. God is protecting us. Do you know sometimes God protects you not just from what he gives, but sometimes from what he takes? Probably the oldest book of the Bible is the book of Job. And again, probably no one in the Bible went through more than Job. I mean, when the devil goes before God and says, man, I can tell you why Job loves you and serves you is because nothing ever goes wrong in his life. I mean, the guy lives a, you know, this sheltered life. You're, you're protecting him in chapter one of Job. In fact, the devil even says to God, you put a hedge around it. Well, let me ask you a question. How did the devil know there was a hedge around Job unless he had been trying to get at him? He'd been going after him and he couldn't get to him because he's right, God was protecting him. And here's what the devil says to God. He says, the only reason that man loves you, the only reason he's serving you, is because of what he can get out of it. It's a commercial faith. And the minute bad things hit his life, he'll be out the door. He'll curse you to your face. And I love the response. He said, you don't know my son. You don't know what this guy's made of. 
He's got a strong faith. Uh, he, he's, he's got a strong character. He won't run when the going gets tough. You, you just don't know him. And so the devil says, okay, here was a challenge. Lower the hedge and let me at him. And man, you scratch your head a little bit, but God lowered the hedge and let the devil go after him. And you know what happens when you read the story of the things that he went through and all that he experienced in life? The Bible says Job's faith shines so brightly. He even said this in one place. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. And you know what else he said? Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, even though I'm discouraged and even though my heart is broken and even though I've gone through these losses, he said, I'm, I'm gonna praise my way through this pain. And what Elijah didn't realize when God sent him up to the mountains of Kareth and when God was providing food and then God was about to move him from Kareth into Zarephath to the next destination, what he didn't realize is God was protecting him. Remember I said there was an evil king and a queen that were setting out to kill him because of the famine in the land. God was protecting him initially by what he gave. And by the way, he started protecting him by what he took from him. The brook dries up. You know why? Because God's will was not for him to stay at the brook. God had something else for him to do, and he knew that he will never move unless things get a little uncomfortable. Have you ever heard that expression, some people change when they see the light, some people change when they feel the heat? And some of us who are those strong-willed children, we're the ones that when it says wet paint, we touch it just to be sure. Sometimes we don't learn from what we hear. We, we've been taught right. We come from good families. We, we've been raised right. We know the Bible. We can find Genesis from Revelation. We, we know it pretty good. But yet we still, even though we know what we know, we do what we do because we're wired up in such a way that sometimes we only learn by the things we experience. And God knows that. Don't do that, son, it's gonna hurt. Okay, help yourself. Then we cry and he goes, told you. <laughs> hurt, didn't it? I'm just saying God knows us. And sometimes he has to take those strong-willed children in order to get them to be compliant and follow him and trust him then sometimes it's not just what he gives, sometimes it's what he takes. Give you another illustration of what I'm talking about. Deuteronomy 32. It's a beautiful song of Moses. When Moses is describing how God led the children of Israel, and he describes God in that narrative, in, I think it starts about verse 11. He describes God as an eagle. And he describes God as an eagle teaching its little ones how to fly. And it's interesting when you read that narrative, he says the eagle, first of all, stirs her nest. Now, when you study that, that means the eagle starts pulling out everything that made the nest comfortable. You know, what made the nest comfortable for the babies to be born and for those little eggs to hatch out, what made that nest comfortable was it was lined with fur and feathers and the mother took great care to make sure that nest was comfortable for her little ones. But there came a time when those little ones need to move. <laughs> and they weren't moving because they saw the light, they're gonna only move when they still see the heat, feel the heat. So mama starts making the nest uncomfortable. You know what mama does? She starts pulling the fur and the feathers out from under the babies. 
And now the thorns and all the lining and all the things that had made the structure of that nest strong start kind of coming through. And those little babies are moving around going, hey, mama, well, where's that quilt? <laughs> where's that pillow I was sitting on? Man, this is kind of uncomfortable. And it's the first step. She stirs her, and then she flutters over her young. Now that they're uncomfortable, she says, I need to take their eyes off that discomfort. I need to get them to get their eyes on me. She spreads abroad her wings. She shows them how strong she is. And then listen to this. She takes them and bears them on her wings, meaning she'll grab those babies. <laughs> she'll put them on her wings, and she flies up, up, up. And you know what she does? She tilts and those babies fall off her wings. And those little babies start this little death spiral. <laughs> they're trying to learn her, I don't know how to do that, but they're flapping their little wings. <laughs> and mama's watching the process. And when you study this, she will swoop under one of those little ones and catch them if they can't figure out how to fly and take them up again. And don't you know if you're a little bird going, oh, thank you, mama, that scared me. Let's don't do that again. Let's fix that nest and let's go take a nap. She's going, no, 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 that's not the point. You gotta learn how to fly. And she takes them up and up and up, and she, you know what she does? She dumps them again. Now look, if you watch that process in nature, you would think, man, how cruel. <laughs> that mama bird's supposed to protect those little ones. Listen, it's bigger than their protection. She's teaching those little ones how to fly. Because Deuteronomy 32 says, so the Lord. Just as that eagle did that, so the Lord does that to his own. What's my point? My point is sometimes God makes the places where we are uncomfortable because he's moving us to the next place. And what we have to do is trust in his protection. Know that he knows what's best. He knows what I need. He's doing this to strengthen me and to help me even though I may not see it right now. Trust his protection. Give me the second one. Second one is this one. Trust his provision. Provision. Man, when you read the chapter, chapter 17, what just jumps out at you is every step of the way, whether he was at Kareth or whether he was then moving to Zarephath to the home of the widow, God was taking care of him. God was providing. He was providing for him when he didn't understand. He was providing for Elijah when he didn't know how it was going to work out. God was providing for him. And I don't know where you are this morning. I, I don't know what disappointment you may be facing in life. But let me tell you something. God's got you. He's got this. God is protecting you. And in the protection, there is a provision that comes from him. There's an old hymn that says, be not dismayed whate'er betide. God will take care of you. And listen to this line. Beneath his wings. Remember the eagle in Deuteronomy 32? Beneath his wings of love abide. God will take care of you. God's got you. It's not an accident you're watching this morning if you're online. It's not an accident you're in this room this morning. What God may be trying to tell you is you may be a little disillusioned right now. You may be a little disappointed right now, but God is protecting you and God is, can provide for you. There's not a need you have in your life that he cannot meet. There's not a thing in your life that he's not powerful enough to do. You see what Elijah didn't realize in all these steps he was taking is God was about to use him in chapter 18 to confront that wicked king and queen. He was about to use him in chapter 18 to expose 450 false prophets. 
He was about to use him in 1 Kings 18 to show a whole nation that God is powerful and he is in control. And God was about to use this guy hiding in the mountains, living in this widow's home, <laughs> confused, not understanding, not uh, knowing the direction of his life or why God is allowing the things to happen in his life. God's about to use this guy in an amazing way. But in the process, he had to trust him. He had to trust his protection. He had to trust his provision. Let me give you the last one. He had to trust his providence. Providence is a word that really doesn't belong down here. It belongs up there. It's a God word. Providence, it means the ability to see ahead. I don't have that. Elijah didn't have that. John in prison didn't have that. Those baby birds in the nest don't have that. <laughs> Anybody that's ever navigated through an experience of life will agree with me, we don't have that benefit. We see life as it comes, day at a time, minute at a time, a frame at a time, but God sees ahead. He knows what's best. He knows what I need, he knows what you need. He knows what the compliant child needs. He knows what the strong-willed child needs. And so there is a providence that is at work that was at work in Elijah's life. One of my favorite passages in Psalm is Psalm 37, 23. Listen to this. The steps of a good person, the steps are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. Listen, even though that person falls, they will not utterly be cast down. Why? Because the Lord will uphold them. I shared this principle before, but life is a series of steps, steps, steps. We're moving progressively through life step by step. And we we'll, can go through life step by step until one day we step into his presence. And on every step, we, we hit a new level. You go up a, a level, you hit a new step, it's a new level. With new levels come new devils. And God is training you and he's strengthening you every step because he's preparing you for life at the next level. And complacency settles you at a level when it's God's will to move you on up. And when you think about life as a series of steps, what one point is a ceiling to you, if you'll keep taking steps, will eventually become a floor to you. That challenge that you thought was insurmountable and that thing you didn't think you would be strong enough to do, you keep progressively taking steps, trusting that God knows what is best. Eventually that thing that you didn't think you could accomplish or achieve or be able to do suddenly becomes something through the grace of God you can master. Steps. You talk to a first grader about seventh grade work and their eyes will roll back on their head. They're not ready for that. But later on, you talk to the 10th grader about seventh grade work, and they'll be amazed at how they stumble over something now that is so simple. What's the point? You move through life progressively step by step. Elijah didn't realize it, but God was moving him to Mount Carmel. He was moving him into that spot where a whole nation was soon to know that God exists and God is powerful. He was about to use one man's life as an example to thousands of people. I'm just suggesting to your heart this morning, God has a purpose and a plan. He doesn't just allow the things to happen in our life without a point. I mean, Job even realized at the end of his life that God has doubled, he's given him twice all of the things that he ever lost. And now in the presence of God, Job's been there a long time. 
and he's gathered with the children and with the family that he lost, and he realized, God, you're faithful. You're merciful. You do not fail. So I'm just saying to your heart as I kind of close this this morning, you may be in the middle of it right now. It may not, it may not feel like it's going to work out. You, you, you may be somewhere in the process. You may be at Kareth or Zarephath. You're not to your Mount Carmel yet. You're, you're somewhere in between, and you're trying to navigate it. Well, let me challenge you just to hold on. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to your trust in God. Know that God has a plan and a purpose beyond what we're able to even get our heads around this morning. Know he can be trusted. I've told you he loves you more than you love you. So I'm just suggesting to your heart this morning, when you hit those points of disappointment and disillusionment, fall back onto your trust of God. As I told you when I started the message, I get it. I understand it. You know I'm in a season of life I never anticipated that I'd be walking through. I never thought I'd be a widower. I never thought that girl that I met when I was 17 would have a terminal illness and, and one day be gone. Never thought that, never thought, never crossed my mind. I put all the life insurance on me. I thought this joker's going out first. I know the life I've lived. I've put a lot of miles on this old boy. Never thought it'd be her. And I've told you one of the hardest things that I've had to navigate through is just deep, deep disappointment in God. Knowing he could heal. I'm a pastor. I've seen God heal other people. But why didn't he heal my wife? I've seen him raise other people up. And, and I've, seen him, I've seen God do that. And yet, man, when I pressed into him hard in that hospital as she was in intensive care for three weeks, he didn't do that for me. So I had to work through some stuff. I had to work through, I'm telling you, I had to work through some stuff. And you know what I came away? I came away knowing I'll never understand it this side of heaven. So what I'm left with is to trust him. So I get up every morning saying, great is your faithfulness. Your mercy doesn't fail. I choose to trust you. I make a choice to do that. I choose to trust him. So I'm just telling you, if I can do that, anybody can do it. As hard as it is, your heart will break from time to time. You may walk through some stuff you don't ever walk out of. But I'm telling you, he's faithful. And he can be trusted. And one day in his presence, we'll understand it all. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my friends this morning who may be struggling with some disappointment in their life, some area of their life, Lord, that they know you have the power, they know you have the ability, but for some reason, you've chosen not to do the thing they prayed that you would do. Or for others, Lord, they, they know you could do these certain things, but for some reason, you've chosen not to do some things. And as a result, the faith is stretched, the heart is broken, the mind is confused, and disappointment sets in. And Lord, we realize when we look back and we see Job and we see Elijah and we see John, we're in good company. So Father, help us not to give up on this process. Help my friends to keep taking the steps, one foot in front of the other, step by step, trusting you 
Father, I pray that you'll bring some peace into the hearts of some people that are fighting through some disappointment. And finally, Lord, I, I pray for anyone watching online or anyone in the room that's never trusted you as their Savior, that this might be the moment where they humble their heart and they say, Lord Jesus, with everything I know about me, I now trust all that I know about you. Come into my heart, forgive my sin, and I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.